Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Dave Schrader. Like right. you've got that down. You do and you, and you pronounce it correctly too. You no, did. It is not Schroeder, folks. That yeah. was a character on Peanuts. Yeah, he was a good character. Yeah. He, he was. was playing the piano. He didn't really do much. He just kind of no. sat and played but his little piano. Uh, but he wasn't like Pigpen, you know, that had like <laughs> nobody wants to be that guy. Chronically dirty. That's pretty much every sixth grade boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the right. dust that had to follow him everywhere. Dave. Yeah. Tell the good folks what you do here. If they don't remember, have you been on twice before this? This Twice. I was on a few years ago with uh, uh, co-host number one, Barnabas Piper, and we talked about uh, advice for authors or people who wanted to be published for marketing. We did that. And then a few months ago, it was you, Daniel, and I talking a little bit about this subject, which... Uh, which is talking about leadership biographies. Right. And uh, it kind of evolved. It kind of went a few different directions. And it did because we're all nerds. We are all nerds and we like talking about books. So yes. here and you go. And then we even disagreed about some books. We did. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Some some in the uh, the business leadership category. The business leadership Daniel knows category. how I feel too. So Yeah. Daniel likes to, he, he liked to sit back and, and just let it all transpire. <laughs> uh, and just not take a sign. Canada. All right. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about our five favorite leaders. Now, these can be historical uh, or current or church or otherwise. So um, we, we will walk through each one and why you like that person. I like it. I like the challenge. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I sent some ideas early this morning to Todd, just, just kind of just see what he thought, just whet his appetite for this conversation. I liked it. It really started out yeah. about virtues. Yes. Like, hey, you know, what are the we're virtues? thinking about diligence, persistence, you know, resilience. Let's just go ahead yeah. and talk about Shackleton right now. You uh, just want to go right you All, all go the right virtues there? just kind of <laughs> packed together to Todd. All you just, that. Uh, all that. All those virtues do. <laughs> All right. So you're going to start with your number one. We're going to talk about our five favorite leaders and what yeah. we have learned the most from them and book recommendations. And right? book recommendations if we have them, because I know at least <laughs> one of mine, I don't have a book on her. Okay. So, all right. All right. That's, that's okay. That's, that's fine. Yeah. That's all right. All right. Um, yeah. I can go. I can go first. So. Guys, Shackleton is frequently talked about in leadership circles. Um, many of you have uh, a book on your shelf like Endurance or South. Um, I recommend Endurance. I, that's my favorite one of, of those two. Um, there's been other books written on uh, Shackleton as well, but I just really feel like uh, every leader should read this book. All right. Would, would give a brief uh, overview of of Shackleton. Brief. Oh, he led. There's he like, led an expedition we, to Antarctica. Yes. To go to the South Pole. Yes. Did and not he was in a competition. Yes. As well, and so here's the thing: he didn't lose a guy. <laughs> he didn't lose a single man. No. 
And they were wrecked. And it took them a quite, I can't even remember how how long, like almost two, 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 two and a half years, something like this. Get back. Yeah. And this happens Damn. all during World War One. World War One breaks out while he's down there. So nobody's even. He has no idea it. really what's going on. I mean, imagine like coming home and, oh, by the way, oh, by the way. hundreds of thousands of your countrymen have died Gone. since you left. <laughs> and you didn't lose any. Yeah. And you didn't lose a single one. No, not one. Uh, That's a good one. That's a great one. I bought- Antarctica, folks. You did. I finally bought my copy. I'd read a library copy years ago, and I finally bought one literally two weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. And it was because of my recommendation. (laughs) Sure. You can just claim it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right. Uh, You do one. All right. Uh, Oh, but I would say the reason why I, I love Shackleton is- what I was talking about, it's the fortitude, it's the resilience, it is leadership in the okay. flesh, yeah. what it looks like, what it means to be, you know, in so many so many uh, situations now, we don't even know what it looks like to be a leader or yeah. to be a man or to be any of those things. And Yeah, you're, and, a, man, you're oh, a man, Todd. You're, you're a man. Most of the time. You're a manly man. <laughs> Brad Wagner would disagree with you, <laughs> but it's mostly when I will wear... A, a shirt that might be pink oh, or yeah. pastel. Pastel, yeah. I've seen you Anything. with the pastel around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's All always right. solid, though. And usually, because <laughs> uh, I don't see colors. Yeah. People on the podcast know these things. Yeah, that's good. All, All right, right. What you All got? right. All right, I'm going to start with General Oliver P. Smith. I talked a little bit about him on the last time I was on. He was a general, a Marine general during the Korean War. And the reason I read a book on him not long ago is it's called On Desperate Ground by Hampton Sides, who is a great writer. I read another great one about the the great raid that happened uh, during World War II to rescue soldiers in uh, the Philippines. But this is about the Korean War. And essentially, Marines get stranded, surrounded essentially after the big thrust all the way up through what we now know as North Korea. And they kind of get stuck in an area known as the Chosin Reservoir. And it's an area in the midwinter when this happens. And essentially he's got all these other generals telling him what he should do. But the reality is he stayed with his troops the entire time. And what I love about his story of him helping leading to essentially escape, uh, you know, from the Chinese who were literally invading North Korea to attack the Americans. Um, he led from within and he stayed with his troops. He, ate what they ate. He essentially survived in the way that they survived. And my lesson always with that is um, know what your troops are going through. Um, Fight with them in the trenches when you need to, not against them, fight with them and alongside them, I should say. And uh, it's a great story. But yeah, the book is on desperate ground, Hampton Sides. It's fantastic. And the contrast between Douglas MacArthur, who's a very famous general, who's also famously fired by Harry Truman uh, during this time too, because he's very arrogant. And um, But he never stayed with the troops in Korea, never slept a night in Korea during the Korean War, essentially. So here and here you've got contrasting someone like Oliver P. Smith, who did and was right. absolutely embedded. Now, different you, leaders, different styles. How do you feel about Patton? Oh, I like Patton. I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you need a Patton for times <laughs> in history. I mean, it's it's like any conquering hero. He yeah. is an old, 
he is an he is a, a Greco-Roman warrior. That's right. really who he is. Who is thrust into a time like World War II, given the opportunity to apply a lot of those same tactics, and uh, given the opportunity. Uh, he certainly is known for his short temper as well as his tenacity. My uh, grandfather fought in Battle of the Bulge under his oh, command. Really? And uh, yeah, old blood and guts. That's what they call him, right? And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I like Patton. But yeah, do, could a Patton survive today? No. No. <laughs> no. He no. He'd be fired and he'd be so <laughs> bored, you know, with he the way the military is. He would is, start right? stuff. Just right. To, he, he would, he would start stuff. That's, that's the reality. It's mm-hmm. like we have a military who's policy thankfully is to hopefully not start stuff but to be a a good posing threat right. but uh he's he's one who's willing to charge in in as if it's a with a you know, six shooter he would have been amazing during the civil war Pearl definitely Angels. oh that was not amazing. the revolution because the revolution was about evasion it was about escaping the whole time right whereas the civil war was all about direct frontal attack back, that's back, exactly back. who Patton is so yeah there you go um yeah Patton uh, I'm I'm a fan but right. <laughs> that's with the caveat. <laughs> but that's with the caveat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of caveats. There's a lot right of. There. I mean, let's. Uh, almost any leader we talk about, historical leader, um, will have their their issues. Absolutely. Their shadow side. Ooh, or, shadow or side. Can I go into my number two? Just skip ahead real quick. Can I do that? I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you catch up. I just want to go in because this goes with it. All right. right. I'm going to go with Napoleon as my I'm next one. there with you on Napoleon. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about the, the, the brilliant Napoleon. things. All right, fine. We'll both claim them. Uh, we're not going to talk about all the brilliant things. Uh, let's talk about overextending yourself, uh, how pride takes hold of you. And like every leader has this issue, right? But right. his is just so well known. And it's what we were, we were joking about this <laughs> earlier. It's, it's, it's the fact that, uh, you know, he, along with Hitler later, you know, 150 years later yes. or 130 or whatever years later, decides to invade Russia in the winter. Not a good idea, right? Never a good idea. Never a good idea. Just like the Princess Bride, <laughs> which you can fill in the blank. Never get... And, and never again a land war in Asia? Never getting involved in a land war in Asia. That's right. Yep, absolutely. Everyone knows. Everyone <laughs> Everyone knows. There you go. So that's my point. The only book I can think of is uh, Andrew Roberts came out with one a few years ago. Uh, he, he wrote another book on Churchill this past year too, but uh, it's just called Napoleon. But that's kind of the big chronicle of his life. There you go. I, uh, I don't think I've read that one. I I believe I read one on Napoleon's generals. Oh. Um, and I can't remember uh, who that was by, though. But the one that I like is The Art of War. Now, everybody goes Sun Tzu yeah. Art of War, but Napoleon has yeah. his Art of War as well. Actually, I haven't read it, really. You read it? Yes. Okay, I haven't. So, uh, the on 90-second leadership, the rule of thirds— comes from Napoleon. Now I took great liberty with the rule of thirds, but um, this but, is why you and uh, you and Gagar have quoted Napoleon so often. There you go. This is uh, where it's all coming from. Well, you know that that the the one that we both love is uh, uh, it's a leader's role to give hope. 
Yes. The leaders are go. dealers of hope is actually the the direct quote. That's it. Okay. A leader is a dealer of hope. I suppose it would have been in French. <laughs> yeah, I have no. I had like two years in high school. I came down to ten. <laughs> I had two months in middle school. All right. That's it. That's as wild as it got. Um, but yeah, yeah. Art of War. So example of that. Now, it's not terribly practical. I'm not telling you to read Art of War because it's about canon placement and different things like that. But... The rule of thirds came from it, and that's a really good one because it is, hey, a third of my army is going to be ready to go invade Russia. A third of my army is going to say, no, France looks great. Let's stay here. Um, and then a third is just waiting to see what's going to happen. And he says, you make a mistake if you go if you try to um, change the mind of the keepers of the status quo. Those yeah. people that don't want to go. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Don't focus your effort and energy there. Focus it on the people who are ready to go hmm. uh, and get them fired up. Give them leadership. Give them um, kudos, pride, you know, ranking yeah. and whatever so that you can go do what you want to do. And everybody else will follow. Yeah, I like it. All right. And those Napoleon will be shot. Well, yeah. Just kidding. Guillotined? No, that would have been before. Yeah. That was oh, well. After. No, it was before. Before. Yeah, it was yeah. before. But it still works. There you go. <laughs> it yeah, still it's works. fine. It's still, yeah, it's still All right, there. what else you got? <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with Eleanor Roosevelt. And here's someone who I've not read a book on, though, so I don't have, like, a specific recommendation. Right. But one particular thing I love about Eleanor Roosevelt is she is one of the most well-known first ladies. Like, name, you, we can name some recent right. first ladies, but when you really kind of get past maybe Nancy Reagan, Barbara Bush, uh, a lot of people start getting a little foggier, right? right. Unless they've contributed, contributed something significant, had some big initiative. I mean, we think of the Betty Ford Institute, which is a rehab right. clinic, right? Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, some yeah. would choose to live a very kind of quiet life of, of doing what they do as first lady, which is, you yeah. know, <laughs> ceremonial, ceremonial. More let's, engaged yeah. and involved. I mean, right. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle Obama, Obama was big on, on living fit. Right. Uh, let's move for initiative. Uh, but um, Eleanor Roosevelt was one of those. You got to think like FDR, larger than life personality as well was uh, not rumored, certainly had uh, his own mistress. Um, but uh, um, again, as we as we look at a lot of <laughs> presidents, not a lot of them, we're, yeah, we're not saying that. But the point is they didn't have the healthiest of marriages, but it was a functional marriage in the sense of she understood um, she had a lot of influence, essentially, as oh, first lady. she leveraged that influence. She took it, she not took advantage of, but took advantage of in a good way that position. Right. As well as anybody before or since. Absolutely. So to she, do great good. Right. She's a, she is a product of the suffrage movement in so many ways. I think of a lot of her, you know, think of her family being involved in it. And also she's just got that personality right. of standing up for women's rights, especially in the early 20th century. But go up to World War II, which is known for someone who is trying to solve um, problems out there for the government that are not giving people, minorities in particular, the best opportunities. And right. so an example would be, think of the Tuskegee Airmen. Okay. So clearly there are a lot of people who believe something that, you know, there needs to be more units that are given the chance to fight. And someone like her is someone who put a lot of political pressure on people to make sure that was happening. So 
I mean, I'm sure there are dozens of more examples of things she did, but I remember that reading about that in particular. And I thought like, wow, okay, here's someone going down to the deep South to be able to do this. Um, but also leading the way essentially. So she certainly is very empathetic, but she knew how to flex her muscles in that way too. So, um, you know, in the way of like the personality of Amelia Earhart, just saying like, hey, listen, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to do this. Um, whatever the social norms are of the day, she was someone who would certainly break that type of uh, glass ceiling. So I, yeah, I put her up there, no doubt. So listeners, if you have a recommendation of an Eleanor Roosevelt book, which one or ones should we read? So I'll ask that question. I'm, I'm always looking for a good recommendation. So there you go. How about you? What's next? Um, if we're, if we're going female political, uh, then I would say more recently, Condi, Condi Rice, yeah. um, just being you're, in, you're on Condi terms with her. You can oh, call yeah. her Condi. Well, yeah, yeah. You I just mean, call her up in DC. Condi. She was there when we were there. Yeah. I've never met her in person. It's okay. You can lead people to believe that you did. No, no, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> um, I do. I actually, uh, oh man, I shouldn't, I need to avoid politics. I want to, I want to avoid politics, but living in DC, um, you quickly learn that there are, um, actually, um, people, good and godly people that will attend your church that are on both sides of the aisle. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. And, um, the, the interesting thing there is a lot of times you end up meeting people and they're not what you think they are. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, but anyway, going back to uh, D.C., her reputation there and what you saw publicly as well as privately is just a tower of strength as a leader, as uh, a, a sharp and shrewd negotiator yeah. who was very direct, yeah. um, who just really held a a position that was not normal at all for a woman or a minority <laughs> and did it excellently. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, that's a person who I would love to interview and, and spend an afternoon with and say, okay, like mm -hmm. tell me all of this stuff. I mean, you were oh, yeah. in that position during some really interesting times. And Is she still in her position at Stanford? Or is she, what is she doing now? I've kind of lost track of that. still at Stanford. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, if we want, I want to keep going in the political realm and then we'll move out. Yeah. Okay. okay. Keep going. Keep going. U.S. political realm. I, we kind of joked early about Teddy Roosevelt um, just because he got to write his own autobiography. If you, what did you say? If you want to control your story. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Write your own story. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just write it out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there's Churchill and know, Teddy were the masters oh, at, at they that. Were brilliant. Yeah. At that. History is written by the victors. And you know, yeah, they are. What's it. your, uh, any, any favorite Churchill quotes? Oh, uh, you know, you know courages, you, you know, moving from one. No. Uh, what is it? Uh, moving from, oh, what is the quote? One of my favorites is you'll never get anywhere if you stop to throw uh, rocks at every dog that barks along the way. Yes. Yes. As a leader, yes. you, that is one to have yeah. on your wall. Yeah. Don't stop to throw rocks at every dog that barks along the way. He had a fascination mm -hmm. with dogs. You know, he called depression that old black dog. That's, That's what true. he would call it. 
which I had a long and whole black dog for a while, you know? So I was like, oh no, but that's, you know, but it's also Churchill is someone like, oh, you, you know, he's known for his oratory and the way that he led, but the reality is he suffered, you know, depression, like, like a lot of people do. Um, it wasn't debilitating to the point where he could not function, but the reality is we all have self doubt. He had self doubt and, uh, uh, Churchill is just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and two, I mean, you know, he's like our age and he's, and just completely decimated. Yeah. At 40. And then. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Turns it all around to become. Yeah. He's, uh, used as the scapegoat and the Gallipoli campaign, uh, in World War One, And he loses his position as first Lord of the Admiralty. And what do you do after that? That's like one of the highest positions in government. Right. That's like that's like a cabinet position here in the in the U.S. And like think of like Secretary of Defense right. or Secretary of the Navy. It's pretty uh, pretty prominent. But um, you know what does he do with that? Like he never really slowed down. He took it as okay. That's a big punch. It's not a knockout. But for anyone else, said he's done. He's done. There's no way. That's that's it's it's political death. But. Uh, he hung on there and he became one of the few voices over the next 20 years predicting the rise of Nazism that would uh, overtake uh, most of Europe. And so he kind of became a prophet in that time because no one else was serving in that capacity. So it's a, uh, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, it's very quotable. I was talking about him, his quotes, as well as, uh, as Teddy's in regards to fear, I was teaching on Mark six at uh, my Sunday school class. And, uh, um, and you know, they, they are, they have wonderful pithy quotes and they are helpful. They have helped me tremendously in, in, in life. Um, you know, that being said, I know faith is the greater thing that is the gift compared to courage, but, uh, but courage in terms of picking yourself up by your bootstraps and just mm. t- learning how to kind of fight through, it's that it's getting into the virtues. Like they are the masters of the virtues. They understood what resilience was and how important it was to form who you are. And think of like the loss of Teddy Roosevelt losing his mother at a young age, right? And essentially kind of being orphaned more, not orphaned because I mean, he's certainly wealthy, but what happens to any wealthy kid in New York, they get sent off to boarding schools and they're essentially kind of written off and that not written off, but just put to the side. So it's fascinating. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I was gonna say Churchill's certainly one of them that's up there with me too. And it's hard not to love him. I just love all those little stories. And, uh, yeah. I think we talked I like about his, uh, trading barbs with Lady Astor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Which I can't really say any of those yeah. quotes without being offensive. <laughs> that's um, okay. And then we go back to, uh, you got to go back to Lincoln. Absolutely. Yeah. Lincoln's links. Link is a given. My favorite story from Lincoln that I, probably is most helpful for me day after day is like, who doesn't get frustrated with people in their work day after day? Who doesn't want to react? I mean, we're in a Twitter world where it's like, okay, say how you feel, write how you feel immediately and let the whole world see it. Well, we all know that's probably not the wisest thing sometimes. There's a time and place, but also um, just in, you know, in general, like we're emotional people. And so, Lincoln would get so mad at his generals because of their unwillingness to fight in the Civil War. I mean, they would just march huge armies around, but they 
did not want to have that decisive battle because right. they were living in fear of losing it, essentially. And Lincoln would get so ticked off. So what he would do, he would sit down and write these long letters. I mean, think of McClellan in particular and some of these guys who yeah. just tick him off so much. And he'd write these letters and he would never send it. He would put it in his uh, his drawer and never, uh, you know, never publish it, never send it anything, essentially. Because he realized, like, you know, I need to sit on these things. Certainly, he fired plenty of people, but he realized if I'm going to be yelling at people all day long, that's not going to be as productive. No, but he found his solution in Grant. Yeah, uh, Grant. He did not care. He he did not care. Yeah, he did not care. I mean, he he certainly suffered, but he yes, uh, but but, but I mean, he's willing to fight. Body he re- count. He what? It, he didn't. It didn't matter. Yeah, I, what, I, it's easy for me to say that. But if you right. look at how he fought, yeah. Lincoln found somebody who said, "I don't care." Yeah. If Lee has yeah. this position, we're gonna go get him. What I love about Grant is that here's someone who comes from the Midwest, from Ohio, and uh, and, and 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 of course he moves even farther out west too. But he doesn't come from that aristocracy of generals. He doesn't come no. from that. You know, he was. You know, he, everyone knows like he wasn't the best cadet at West Point, but that's not the point. It's the fact that he didn't come from what was expected for him to achieve a certain no. level of glory. He is the closest thing to self-made man that you can find. He failed plenty along the way. Right. I mean, we know that from failed businesses to, uh, I mean, remember his father-in-law was a uh, Confederate sympathizer, for example, being from Kentucky. Right. And uh, nothing wrong in Kentucky, but like you just had a divided, mm, you know, I know I'm not, I'm not, I know it's civil you war. That's what you get. The guys on both sides were from Kentucky, uh, including so, two pre- the president of both were born within 60 miles of each other. That's so crazy. Because people think Lincoln, they think Illinois. Right. I do, no. Like, no, he was actually born Kentucky, up the road from here. Boyhood in Indiana, and then Illinois um, made his political mark and, there. Uh, Davis was born. I didn't know he was born in Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you go uh, okay. up, I think it's on 24, there's a massive, massive monument yeah. to Davis. It's like almost <laughs> as big as a Washington monument. Of course, there is. Obelisk. Really? Yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. It's bonkers. <laughs> probably should stay that way. Wow. Okay. <laughs> probably yeah, should. I yes. know. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Huh. I did a camp not too far from it one time. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, Lincoln, man. There's there's so much to, to glean from, from Lincoln. Yeah, I read a little book just called Leadership, <laughs> you know, when I was in college on, on Lincoln. I literally picked it up at a Barnes & Noble. Lincoln on Leadership? Or it's Lincoln on Leadership. Yeah, it's just Lincoln on Leadership. Phillips. Yeah. Sure. I can't remember. <laughs> but it was, but it's a helpful little book, just kind of going through. I think that's it's when I strategies. first read this. And yeah. then Team of Rivals is a Team must of, read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what book were you showing me earlier? Oh, yeah. Uh, Leadership in Turbulent Times, which it's Doris Kearns Goodwin's. It's kind of like her... Opus to her leaders she's all written about, Teddy Roosevelt, Lincoln, LBJ, and um, and FDR. And how was their leadership important during the most difficult times of their presidency? And uh, certainly she, she rehashes a lot of... Uh, 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 you know, of her book on Lincoln, uh, you know, with the the rivals book, but um, but that's a that's a great one, um, especially because it just goes into specific situations. I think I wrote Team of Rivals. Doris Kearns Goodwin. Oh, you just yeah, same that. yeah, yep, yeah, Team of Rivals. Um, oh man, there's one. There's a John Meacham book that was American Lion. No, on anyway. 
Lincoln or? I think it was Lincoln. He wrote American Lion. He wrote, uh, he did one, um, Our Better Angels. Oh, no, it's not yeah, called, it's, not, it's called, the, yeah, that's the subtitle, Souls, this, The uh, Soul of America. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, did, we, did we talk about this before? Because it's, I, I liked it, didn't love it. I thought it was, no, I was just thinking about other books. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just to go with the must read, which Always. is, uh, um, not Lincoln on Leadership, Team of Rivals. Yeah. Do that one. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. All, All right. right. What else you got? I, uh, I'm going to throw one that's, uh, you know, a, a band of brothers. How about that? So, um, so I, I'm referring to. That's not a guy. <laughs> it's not. No. All right. Or so, because it's kind of a few different people, you know, you know, major winners, stick winners, who's the kind of focal character of band of brothers, even though it really is, um, uh, an ensemble of characters of Easy Company at that time. But my favorite, I'm going to talk about the people, uh, my favorite episode of the miniseries, I can't remember the chapter in the book, so I'm just going to go with the miniseries. It's episode seven. It's after Bastone when they are essentially, it's, it's called The Breaking Point. And what I love about it is it showcases the best and worst leadership. Um, you've got a political appointed leader, Lieutenant Dyke, who is there because of, well, certainly because of politics, they want to just give him experience out there and then right. he'll move up the chain of, camp, uh, of command from there. The reality is that he's an impotent leader and the uh, Sergeant Lipton, who is a, is the first Sergeant, his job is like kind of, I described, uh, uh, you know, the, the general, um, general Oliver Smith, it's, it's to really lead from within. He is the, the first sergeant's job is to take care of the men within the company. Okay. They are kind of on the, on the same line with them. Whereas a Lieutenant needs to be someone who's kind of serving in a, at, at a, a higher capacity, although great lieutenants do lead from within this guy, Lieutenant Dyke, Freezes, and what and what Lieutenant Lipton would say is, or I'm sorry, what Sergeant Lipton would say is, he wasn't a bad leader because he made bad decisions. He was a bad leader because he made no decisions. He was so overwhelmed by fear, and so the episode is all about a. At that point, it's not major winners yet, but captain winners of him having to let go and empower the leaders in the situation to make the best decisions. He recognizes during an assault that Lieutenant Dyke freezes in fear and cannot lead them in any farther. And what happens during that time is you've got Sergeant Lipton who's trying to keep the men together as well, but the reality is they need a new leader and they need a new leader quickly. So... Captain Winters in his gut instinct is to put another Lieutenant Spears in charge right away in the middle of this assault and to relieve him. And Spears is one of those guys who leads not only from the middle, but from the front, <laughs> which is not, not the best thing all the time, but the reality is that's what was needed for that time was someone to lead them ahead because the, all the rest of the soldiers are so afraid to move forward. They had no leader who could say, that's where we're going. Sometimes you need a leader to lead from the middle. Sometimes you lead someone right up front and Spears with that person at the time. The person in the middle was Sergeant Lipton. Go watch episode seven. It is so good, although you just need to watch all 10 episodes um, if you can. But, man, it's on Amazon Prime. It's so good. So there you go. Oh, and also I would say, so Banner Brothers is the book recommendation. Another good one is a novel. Is a, it's a novel called The Cane Mutiny. It was a miniseries oh, back no. in the 80s by Herman Woke, which is all about a Navy captain during World War II who essentially 
freezes in fear as well. Very similar situation. And it's about how, how all the other leaders react to, and, and well, it's the Kane mutiny. They take over as you can right. imagine. So, uh, but it's, it's eerily similar. And uh, again, it's also another, that's a fictional story, but apparently it is based on uh, a real life scenario that happened too. So there you go. What else you got? I'm thinking, uh, I think we got like, we got like one more, I think. I think we're, we're, we're almost at our five. We may have gone over though. Uh, we've gone over <laughs> It's five, hard. Bro. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, between the two of us, I think we've had five each already. We meander. Uh, do you have, you have any, any closers? Hmm. Hey, give me, um, oh, this will be fun. These are quick hitters. Um, Literally, in one sense, it could be a quick hitter. But uh, give me a sports example, sports leader and why, and artist leader and why. Sports leader. Um, you know, it's funny. The first thing that popped in my head is the scene in Hoosiers, which is, is fictional. <laughs> uh, but it's the, it's the scene where Gene Hackman, who is coach, has, an, has a couple assistant coaches, one in particular, who is Dennis Hopper, who is the town drunk. He's also the father of one of the players, okay, on the team. Uh-huh. He's a great coach also, but the reality is he's the town drunk. He's not well. He, he and, and also, he's kind of the pariah of the town. You know, if you're an alcoholic, certainly in a small town, that's what's going to happen. So Gene Hackman is a fiery coach. Right. He, you see him in the scene, <laughs> the game's on the line. This is like 30 right. or a minute to go. And Gene Hackman goes up to the referee and starts yelling at him. And he's like, I want you to kick me out of the game. Throw me out right now. He's like, he's, and the referee's looking at him like, well, he's like, all right, well, you can get your wish. You're out of here. So he throws him out because he wants to give the chance for his friend, this other coach, who's the right. town drunk, Dennis Hopper, to be able to have that opportunity to lead in right. these final moments because he knows he can do it. He needs someone to say, I believe in you. You right. can do this. And so I love that story. That's just empowering. Yes, it's fictional. I don't know if that happened with the real town of Milan, Indiana, but uh, still. Yeah. I don't know. Switch this to movie because once you started describing that, I was like, uh, oh, miracle. So. Yeah. Remember the oh, 1980 yeah. hockey team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, do you get a scene in your head of what uh, sticks no, out? Just, there's so many good ones. There's so yeah. It, it's just um, you know, if you want to get fired up about leadership and leading a team. Oh man, so good. Movie. Yeah, when he just decides to yell at him. I don't and, like you know, movies. Get, Everybody knows that. I don't know, I, not that I would like probably go watch it again. Yeah, uh, but I might with my kids. Yeah. So was it was this our entertainment example? By the way, because you said uh, entertainment. I did say I said sports and entertainment, sports and, and entertainment. I think we managed to to do all of those it. in one. That's what we do, folks, here. Mm. We deliver. So with that. Do we? Yes, we <laughs> do just we did. Deliver? We just did, Dave. <laughs> All right. So with that, um, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please hop onto iTunes and leave us a rating and review. If you haven't done that yet, please, please do it. That's how other people find us. Uh, and be sure you subscribe. <laughs>